Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what He has to say to you today. Enjoy. If you uh, if you've been tracking with us over the fall. One of the things that we've been talking about is embracing life with Jesus. And in particular, we've talked a lot about living the Jesus way. So not just like accepting Jesus in your heart and being good to go, not just merely about our eternal life, but choosing to be a follower of Jesus means that we actually want to follow Jesus with how we live our lifestyle, how we make decisions, how we do marriage and parenting and all the sorts of things. Like God wants us to live our lifestyle as a follower of him. And we've just been doing a lot of teaching about what does it look like for us to actually live out that kind of lifestyle? How do we actually live the Jesus way? And so we've been talking a lot about that. And a lot of like living the Jesus way and kind of living our lifestyle has so much to do with how we spend our time, how we spend our talent, and how we spend our treasure. God is really concerned about how we do these things. And being a follower of the Jesus way involves so much of how we spend our time, talent, and treasure. And as preachers, people that kind of do what I do for a living, it's really easy for us to talk to people about how you spend your talent. I love like looking at people and seeing the ways in which God has gifted people and helping people to find out what their spiritual gifts are and being able to help empower people in ministry, like that stuff's really, really fun to talk about. Or like how you spend your time and kind of giving pastoral advice about how you should spend your time and how much time you should spend like, you know, reading scripture and serving other people and with your family and putting your, all these sorts of things. It's really easy for me to talk about that stuff. But you know what's really difficult for us preachers to talk about? Your treasure. Your money, your possessions. It's really, really challenging for us to talk about what is the kingdom perspective? What is Jesus' thoughts about my possessions? But as I study the scripture, and in particular Jesus' words, Jesus actually, it's the second most talked about topic that Jesus talks about next to the kingdom of God. You know that? You don't believe me? Okay, I'll just read, read this quote. 16 of the 38 parables were with concern with how to handle money and possessions. Jesus Christ said more about money than almost any other subject. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,300 verses on money and possessions. Jesus has attitudes, perspectives, and opinions on money and possessions that he lays out for us here in scripture. And here's the tension part. A lot of Jesus' attitudes, perspectives, and opinions on money differ from our attitudes, our opinions, and our perspectives about our money and possessions. And part of the reason why they differ is because we've been formed in such a way to be different. We didn't grow up learning and living the Jesus way. And so learning the Jesus way, not just with parenting and hobbies, but our monies and possessions is a totally new way to think and a totally new way to live. And so it creates this tension. And so the question we want to raise as we dive into this sermon series is, how do you suppose Jesus actually views our money, 
and our possessions. What's his perspective, in other words? And my hope is, is that God would actually shift our thinking about money and possessions to actually gain a biblical understanding of how Jesus thinks about our stuff. Because he has some perspectives. So, but before we dive into the scripture here tonight, I just want to ask a question and maybe have a little bit of fun with y'all. Is that cool? Some of you guys are really unsure about that. That's okay. Why? Why is it so much easier for Jay to get up on stage here and talk about talent and time versus treasure? I mean, honestly, as soon as I kind of got up here tonight and said, we're going to talk about money and possessions, how many of y'all in this room honestly started to tense up a little bit? Let's <laughs> see. Like, you just kind of like do this recoil thing and you're like, oh man. And it's like, if I was talking about talent and time, it'd be a little different. But I start talking about money and possessions and there's just this recoil. There's this tension. And I know there's tension because I could feel it as soon as I brought the topic up in the room. And like, even as I'm preparing for this topic, like if I'm talking about the love of God, if I'm talking about encouraging people, if I'm talking about loving one another, like I'm fired up to preach, but as I'm preparing this week, it's just like, there's a, a different level of weight when we talk about money in church. And I think there's different reasons why that's the case. I think some of it is, a, is the questions and stories that are floating around in your head and heart. Like, Maybe you're asking yourself the question about, you know, this topic here, and you're like, oh, we're going to hear another series on tithing. No, it's, it's actually way bigger than just the obedience of tithing. It's way bigger than that, this series. Or maybe your perspective, see, the church is always talking about money. Well, actually, I've been here for over four years here at Coastal Church, and this is my very first sermon series on money and possessions. Very first. Or maybe you're like, this is a series on how bad money is. And maybe that's kind of what the narrative you've heard, like, money's the root of all evil. Actually, it's not. Okay? Go to the scripture. Open up to Timothy, and you will see the scripture does not say that money is the root of all evil. Go ahead and read that passage of scripture and read the whole entire sentence. I'm not even going to quote the verse. I'm going to let you have a little bit of homework and read the rest of that verse because the Bible does not say that money is the root of all evil. There's another word in there that describes what that is. Or maybe you're, you're, you know, you're saying the, the, the statement that's rolling around in your head and your heart. You're like, so you're going to talk about money and possessions right before we jump into lobstering. <laughs> ah, ah. I see what you're up to here there, Preacher Jay. What's up with that? I just want to say to you unashamedly here, yes, absolutely, it's on purpose. And here's why. Every single year, we do the fisherman services, and I pray earnestly and diligently that God would bless you with prosperity, and I want him to do that. Because the way in which you serve our community, it blesses our economy and it blesses your family. I want you to be blessed by God in that way. But maybe more importantly than wanting you to be blessed by God that way, I want you to have the capacity to handle God blessing you that way. Sometimes God wants to give us blessings, but withholds his blessings because it would actually turn into a curse because we actually can't handle what God's about to pour out. Does that make sense? 
And so my heart and motive is not to take from you, rob you, set you up for something. My desire as your pastor is actually to help you. My, uh, my favorite movies of all times are The Lord of the Rings. You can judge me already. It's okay. I'm a bit of a nerd. And my wife graciously has been starting to slowly, I mean like half an hour at a time, work through my favorite movies with me. So we were folding laundry last night and we watched another 30 minutes of the movie. And I'm just like really, really happy and she's just like looking at her phone folding laundry. <laughs> but one of my favorite parts you know, of one of the opening scenes is this guy named Gandalf the Grey. And Gandalf is this really cool wizard, probably one of my favorite people in all the movies. And he has this opening scene with this guy named Bilbo Baggins. And Bilbo has this ring, the ring of power, the big, the whole, you know, the thing the whole movie series is based off of. And, and Gandalf discovers that Bilbo has this ring, his precious. And Gandalf is trying to convince him to relinquish this possession over, to let it go. And Bilbo starts to recoil like many of us in this room did as the money, the topic of money came up. And Gandalf, in a very stern way, starting off, says, I'm not trying to rob you. And then in a very, very tender, gracious, friendly, kind voice says, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. And overall, at our campuses, that's our heart. There's no hidden agenda. Our genuine motive is that we want to help serve you by helping see from the scriptures, how does Jesus view your money and possessions? Because I think it actually has the power to positively change your life. In the next three weeks, we'll discover um, that to be true. So let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. It's going to be up on the screen. We're going to look at Paul's letter to Timothy here. A few weeks ago, Timothy was giving some advice or Paul was giving some advice to Timothy about how to live on purpose and was talking about prayer. Here, Paul is giving some advice to Timothy, to the people that he was pastoring, about how do you actually coach and encourage and teach people that are rich in your context about how to handle their resources. And so again, Paul was directing Timothy to direct his people with how they should actually handle their wealth. So this is what the scripture says about that very thing. This is Paul talking to Timothy about folks in his congregation. This is what the scripture says. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so they may take hold of that which is truly life. So the first uh, aspect of this passage of Scripture says, as for the rich, well, in your head you might think, that's not me, okay? You're like, and maybe you're of the perspective like, that ain't me. You're like, Jay, inflation is a thing here, okay? This passage probably doesn't apply to me. I feel like maybe I'm the working poor. Now, I get what you're saying, and I empathize with you because I live in it. I get what it's like to feel the pinch and the challenge. But let me just take a step back here for a second. I want you to think about this idea of you being rich, and I want you to compare yourself to the rest of the entire population of the world. Did you know 
that if your net worth, so basically what your assets are and what your debts are, you do the math on that equation of those two things, if your net worth is $10,000 or more, you're richer than 55% of the rest of the entire world. So with that in mind, are you rich? I think most of us in this room, actually, as we compare ourselves to the rest of the world, most of us are. I mean, I know we, we raise money to put wells in Sierra and Africa. We all get to drink clean drinking water, right? For the most part, there's maybe a little bit of iron in around here, but <laughs> most of us get to drink clean drinking water. Most of us are able to, you know, get groceries and all those sorts of things. And so compared to the rest of the world, we are blessed. We are, we are rich from some standpoint. And so Maybe some of you in this room don't feel like you're in that category, but for the most part in this room, we are blessed. We are rich. We are what you know, Paul was talking to Timothy about, as for the rich. And so if you're like, yes, compared to the rest of the world, I'm probably rich and probably blessed. And so in light of that, if you consider yourself in that category in a humble way, but understanding us compared to the rest of the world, Paul has some things to say here that actually apply to how we live our lifestyle. There's very specific things in this passage of Scripture. And in particular, I want to talk about four things based on this passage of Scripture as it relates to money and possessions. Y'all ready? Y'all doing okay so far? I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, here we go. Possessions are a terrible foundation. The Scripture says this, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Possessions and wealth and money, there's so much uncertainty in it. And so the scripture says, don't put your hope in those things. You know, things that we have, material things, how many of you know stuff rusts and breaks down and interest rates go up and they go down, amen? <laughs> okay? Uh, markets crash. Like, I was thinking about this the other day. I was having a conversation with someone. Just remember, like, 10 years ago when you could buy a house? Then think about three to two years ago when you could buy a house. Quite some difference, huh? Coming from someone that bought a house two, three years ago. <laughs> and then buying a house now, or, or on the other side, trying to sell a house now. Like, there's such an uncertainty, isn't there, in their housing market? Or what about maybe in the stock market? I don't know how many of you have investments and you like look at your online banking maybe and you kind of look every day and you see maybe some of your investments, whether you're investing in your kid's education and you kind of invest them in mutual funds or maybe it's your own retirement, but you see that number just go up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And you're like, man, it just seems so uncertain. Yes, it is. Or like, gas prices. Up and down, mostly up, 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 up. Or another one, I'm going to whisper, grocery prices. Bacon, man. Bacon is so expensive. Man. Or like the price of lobster. It's uncertain, isn't it? Like, can we all agree that there's an uncertainty about riches, right? Amen? There's an uncertainty about what's to come, and as it relates to riches. That's why Paul says, don't place your hope, your hope, in the uncertainty of riches. 
Things go up and down all the time. So God's word to you is don't put your hope in that stuff. It's not that we aren't supposed to be concerned or not think about that stuff, but don't place your entire hope in that. Do you see the shift? Do you see the difference? Paul tells Timothy to teach people to build on God, not your stuff. When we did that sermon series on the Jesus way, one of the things I talked about is this idea of, you know, whatever you believe is your primary reason for existence, you will build your entire lifestyle of what the answer to that question is. Why are you here? Why do you exist? You will build your entire life around whatever the answer to that question is. There are some people in this world, they believe that their reason for existence is to accumulate and get as much stuff as they want. And they will build their entire lifestyle around that guiding principle. What God's word is saying here is that's actually not true. That's not why you're here. And to do that is vain. It's not purposeful, it's actually vain. And so Paul's words say, yes, that stuff's real. You need to think about it, but don't, for goodness sake, do not put your hope in that. Because it's empty and it will not serve you like it's supposed to. What Paul is really saying here is that possessions are a terrible foundation. Ultimately, because they will never, ever, ever give you what God can give you. If you're expecting to get out of wealth and possessions what only God can give, you will always be disappointed. It's why some of the most wealthiest people in this world are absolutely miserable because they're looking to get out of wealth and possessions what only God can give. It's a terrible foundation to build on. And according to the scripture, this same God is a God who, and I love this verse, who richly provides us with everything. And I love this verse for two different reasons. The first reason is that last word in the sentence I just said. Who richly provides us with what? Everything, all right? Everything. So what does that mean? A God who richly provides us with everything. In other words, every single possession that you have, every single thing that you have that's good, it actually has come from who? From God. Everything. It's the scripture. It's literally right there. Who richly provides us with what? Everything. So everything good you and I have actually comes from God. Is work ethic a good thing? Yes. Where did that come from then? God. Is intelligence a good thing? Yes. Where did that come from? Come on, help me out here. Is, you know, sunrises and jobs and vocations and all the things that God blesses us with, like that, all that stuff comes from God. The ability to have health and to be able to work a job, that all comes from God. Even having like the physical makeup to do what some of y'all do that I don't think I'm cut out for. God's given you that ability to work so hard. Your intellect, your birthplace, all your capabilities, all those things that allow you to take home a paycheck, all those resources God's given you, they've all come from God. Every last one of them. The Bible says every good and perfect gift, it comes from God. 
And we were not made to just merely be a consumer. Your primary purpose is so much bigger than that, as we talked about this idea of purpose in our last sermon series. You were actually not made to merely consume. You were made to actually steward. And steward's this word in the scriptures that means to look after, to take care of, to manage for, for God. Because every single thing that you have, it comes from God and actually belongs to God. Everything good you have, I'll say it again, has come from God and actually belongs to God. And God has placed you to manage what he's given you. And our perspective on money can often be, it's mine, and I'll do what I want with my hard-earned money. And God's perspective is, actually, it's mine, says God, and I want to entrust you to look after it. You see the difference? Which one's the right perspective according to Scripture? The latter. That everything we have, it actually has come from God and belongs to God, and God entrusts us to look after it. Because the scripture literally says, who richly provides us with what? Everything. So, if all the stuff I have actually belongs to God, does that mean I can't enjoy my hard-earned money or God's hard-earned money? Well, actually, the scripture actually says the opposite. And this is the second part I love about this passage of scripture, which I think most of us miss out on in our relationship with God. The Bible says, who richly provides us with everything to do what? Can say it a little louder? Enjoy. God richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God, our Father, is not this legalistic God who wants our lives as followers of Jesus to be absolutely miserable. The thing I love about this passage of scripture is God has blessed us with everything for our delight so we can enjoy it, so we can have fun, so we can like enjoy in our relationship with God the good stuff that God has blessed us with. How many of you in this room, of all of us that are here, God has blessed us with some really good stuff, amen? And, and you know what? The command, not the option, the command of Scripture isn't a ho-hum about it. It's not to feel guilty about the stuff God's blessed us with either. The command of Scripture is for us to actually enjoy the stuff that God blessed us with. Have you ever thought about that? I don't think we have a lot. I don't think we thought that the Scripture actually says that. Like, as your pastor... I want you to enjoy your vacations because it come from God and he's blessed you with it. So have fun in the sun, bro, all right? I hope you get a good tan. <laughs> like the cup of tea or cup of coffee that God has blessed you with that you can have every single morning when you wake up. I want you to enjoy it because the scripture says God has blessed you with everything to enjoy. Now, some of y'all are in hunting season right now. I don't hunt. Just look at me. <laughs> but some of y'all are doing that right now. You're going hunting every day. You grab them carrots, you fire them down, you're waiting for that deer to come. And you enjoy being in the blind probably more than you do shooting the deer. Peace and quiet. Here's my command to you from Scripture. 
Enjoy it! Because God has blessed you with it. Your kids, strawberry shortcake. Like food. How many love a good piece of steak? Enjoy it! It's God's command to you. God has blessed you with a nice car. Enjoy it. A cottage. Enjoy it. You see, like, we tend to, like, have this guilty conscience about enjoying the stuff that God's blessed us with. Now, let me just preface this by saying this. Sometimes our stuff can become an idol, which is what Paul was talking about in the first verse in this passage of Scripture. Don't build your foundation in your life. Don't wrap your whole lifestyle around acquiring this stuff. But if you've surrendered that and you've surrendered your stuff to the Lordship of Jesus, then God's command to you is actually to enjoy the stuff that God's blessed you with. AJ, I was listening to AJ preach his sermon this morning and he was talking about how some people in our area, like you talk maybe a little bit about the way in which God blessed you and how many have ever heard people say to you, oh, it must be nice. Ever heard people say that to you? You know what you can say back to them in a gracious, humble way? It is. <laughs> because God blessed me. And I'm actually able, by the grace of God and humility, because I know everything I have comes from God, I'm able to actually enjoy the things that God's blessed me with and glorify my God because of it. Amen? So as your pastor, I want to give you permission when you go on your next wheeler ride, when you go on your next uh, walk on the beach, even though it's getting cold, the next thing you do that you just enjoy, you eat a really good piece of Halloween candy from your kid's stash, <laughs> because you got permission to do so, of course, right? <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> and then finally, possessions are an opportunity to honor our God. The scripture says four specific things that we're supposed to do if we're rich. And most of us in this room would say, in, in, the, in light of the rest of the world, I'm probably rich as it relates to the rest of the world. So if that's you, if you're in that category, there's four specific things Paul says here at the end of this passage to do. The first one is to do good. Can you all say do good? The second one is to rich in good works. The third one says is to be generous. And the fourth one's ready to share. So do good. Use your possessions to do good things, to bless other people. And not only that, Paul kind of underscores it here and says, be rich in good works. If God's blessed you richly, then in your lifestyle, be rich in how you bless other people. Does that make sense? Be generous. Give. Bless other people with what God's entrusted you with. And be ready, not reluctant, to share. Don't go like this, be ready and say, God, you can use whatever's mine to bless whoever you want to. Um, I'm really thankful today, as I was writing this, uh, this message, um, there's someone that came to mind as I was thinking about these four things about doing good and rich in good works and generous and ready to share. Uh, there's a lady who passed away um, about a year or so ago. Her name was Rini, and she's had a really huge impact on my life and the lives of I don't know how many other students. Um, she was a, a single woman, lived to her, into her 90s, um, and God had blessed her with an education. When she was just a, a teenager, um, she lost her, her, her parents, and God blessed her. Um, and 
um, she went to this school and someone provided for her to go to this really top class school. And so she was charged to do the same thing if she was ever able to do so. And so Rainy, she lived in an apartment with her cats whom she loved, never married, but just always lived um, in a way that honored God and managed her finance as well. And for her life, she's paid for uh, kids to go to King Edge's, King's Edgehill School in the Valley. Every year she paid for two scholarships for years and years and years and years. Um, she chose to do good and uses her possessions as an opportunity to honor God. Now, I went to her church, and God spoke to her about paying for three years of my Bible college. And so she did. And um, she chose to use her possessions as an opportunity to honor God and to do good and to be generous. And it just got me thinking about, as I was you know, visiting her in her hospital before she was dying, I was just telling her how much I appreciated her. And I was kind of getting a little bit emotional, which I know you guys are all used to, okay? But I was getting a little bit emotional talking to her, and she told me not to cry. I said, these aren't sad tears. These are happy tears. I said, you have no idea how many lives have been blessed and touched because you chose to be generous and live open-handedly with God. You have no idea how many people's lives you've touched. And the question I just was thinking about as we were talking about this here is like, what if we could dream with God about how he could use us to bless people beyond measure? What if we start to like, instead of viewing our finances and possessions as an us thing, what if we could start to dream with God about how we'd want to use our possessions to actually honor and further his kingdom? And not just think of our possessions from a worldly perspective, but from an eternal perspective. So there's three things I I want you guys to do uh, as it relates to this message here today. I invite the worship team to come. Three things, uh, questions I want you to kind of wrestle with this week. What is a blessing that you need to enjoy more? What's something that God has blessed you with that you need to enjoy more? Maybe you need to pull the wheeler out of the shed or that nice car you have, take it for a drive or, or, or a cottage that you have. You want to kind of get it in before the winter's over. Like do something this week Slow down and actually enjoy and give thanks to God for the stuff he's blessed you with. That's number one. What do you need to enjoy more this week? What is a blessing that you need to enjoy with others? This shifts us from what we've been trained to live by ourselves and kind of keep our doors closed. Like how many of us honestly... Back 20 years ago, someone would ring the doorbell or knock on the door, and we'd just rush out. We were excited to see it. Now what happens when we ring, someone rings the doorbell or knocks on the door? Oh, who is it? <laughs> I hope it's just Amazon dropping off a package. <laughs> but we've, like, trained ourselves to be isolated. But, like, we, how many of us at the supper time have extra seats at our table? that we could actually invite someone else in and say, hey, like, do you want to come over for supper? What's a blessing that we need to share with other people? Maybe we need to take someone out for dinner. And then finally, where do you have extra blessings that you need to give to someone else? And maybe this is just for you. It's easy to share with someone else because you get to enjoy it with them. What's something you just need to say, no strings attached, from your heart, I just want to bless you with this. This is like, just freely yours, and I just feel led by the Spirit, just bless you with this thing. 
You know what's amazing about the possessions that we have? And I hope that this was a sermon that you weren't actually expecting to hear about possessions. One of the things that God can do as he uses our possessions, he can use our possessions to actually have an impact on other people around us. There's people that don't know Jesus who don't walk with the Lord, and they can see the radical generosity and kindness we show as followers of Jesus who live the Jesus way. And you know what that can do? It can win people. Paul said, I, by all means necessary, I seek to win people. And we can use even the, the worldly resources God's entrusted us with to actually have an impact on other people, to win people for Christ. And the last part of this passage of scripture talks about us storing up treasures in heaven. What greater treasure in heaven can we store up than one day seeing people that we've shown kindness to out of our richness in heaven with us because we've chosen to show the kindness of Jesus to someone who doesn't know him. Folks, I don't think there's any greater treasure in heaven we can store up than seeing lives changed by the gospel. And God wants to use our worldly resources to help advance his kingdom. And so this is an invitation for you to surrender and lay everything down and, frankly, to change our mindset about our possessions that God actually has richly, freely given you everything to enjoy, to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, and to be ready to share. Would you stand with me? We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.